0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gifts at the altar, if you, re- if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gifts there before the altar and go. And go first to be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on your way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. And truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, That everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery again you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times you shall not swear falsely but carry out the vows you have made to the lord but i say to you do not swear at all either by heaven for it is the throne of god or by the earth for it is his footstool or by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your words be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The gospel of the Lord. Praise
1: Well, that wasn't a very fun gospel. (laughs) I know, poor Betty. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I stink. I mean, I'm going to just for fun take an informal non-scientific survey. How many of you have been angry? (laughs) On the way here, you were probably insulting other drivers like me. (laughs) How about telling a white lie? Please. Have you looked at anyone with lust? No, I I don't want to know. (laughs) I, I, I won't go there. Survey over. Suffice it to say, this part of the Sermon on the Mount is enough to drive us right to Jesus and say, come on, Lord, this is too much. That is what happens often when we hear the demands of Jesus. It hits us right in the face that we are not good enough. There isn't a person here who, if you didn't raise your hand, you should have. We all have fallen short and are so in need of God's grace. And this is vital to remember when we hear these words. But I don't want to start there today, even though I did. (laughs) I want to start with some of the really radical things I think Jesus is doing in these verses. And for one thing, he is saying something really radical about God. Now, there are a lot of ways people look at God. In Jesus' time, the time of the Greek and Roman gods, the gods saw humans as simply their playthings. I think today, some people see God as maybe a spiritual guide or maybe the director of divine karma Or maybe a mean old judge sitting up there telling us not to do all the fun stuff. But Jesus, first of all, lets us know that he is God. You have heard it said by God, actually, do not murder. But I say to you, if you're angry, you're liable to judgment. Jesus is saying, I am God here with you. And then he takes the commandments and he shows us why they matter. I mean, why does God even care about all this stuff? Let's tackle that first section. You've heard it say, don't murder, but I say don't be angry. Don't insult. Don't even say you fool. And he uses all this hyperbole about where it's going to get us when we do these things. And I think what Jesus is saying that it isn't enough just to refrain from murder if you're part of God's family. We should also treat each other with respect and that means not speaking hateful words because it's a slippery slope. I can remember when my kids, particularly my boys, were younger. I can remember watching them And one would say something, you can't even catch a ball, or I saw you crying, what are you, a baby? Now I could let that go, and sometimes I did, let them work it out. But honestly, a lot of times I would just walk in, grab one of their hands, and take him outside to just go play by himself for a while. Often I didn't say a thing, or maybe I said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But I knew, and they knew, that any minute this was going to come to blows. Now, Jesus knows us. And I'm not talking about the good anger, you know, the kind of anger that can motivate you to right a wrong in the world. I mean that anger that is directed at your family or your friends or your neighbors that festers. Pretty soon, it's all you can think about. And while you might not actually kill anyone, what you're doing is harming the community, and it's keeping you from good relationships. And in these verses, we learn that God isn't one of those gods who doesn't really care. He's just a judgy old man up in heaven. God cares deeply about our relationships with each other. You've heard it said, You shall not commit adultery, but I say, Don't even look at someone with lust. Again, I think Jesus is doing what he's doing is acknowledging a slippery slope and warning us. It isn't enough just to avoid physically committing adultery. We should also not objectify other people by seeing them as just a means to satisfy our physical desires. That's what happens when we lust after them. And when we do that, we do not see them as a child of God, but as an object. One of my best friends from high school was married and her husband started looking at pornography. Started out innocently enough, but eventually became a problem. It led to him going to strip clubs and then having an affair, and they got divorced. And Jesus, like a good Jew, is building a fence around that law. Because it's so easy to take the next step once you've taken the first step. So don't take any steps, Jesus says. Stay inside the fence. And I think we know this is practical advice. Now, the teaching on divorce is one of the hardest to talk about and to hear. I know there is not a divorced person in here who does not know fully how hard divorce is. And I know from talking to many couples that it is rarely, if ever, an easy decision But Jesus takes on this issue, and especially in the culture in which he lived, it's so important. In his days, a man could divorce his wife for almost anything, even, I'm not kidding, burning his dinner. But Jesus says it's not enough to follow the letter of the law regarding divorce. We should not treat people as disposable, and we should protect the most vulnerable, in that culture, women and children. We need to make sure they are provided for and you can't just dismiss them. Is there forgiveness? Yes. More love and forgiveness than we could ever hope for, but does Jesus want us to preserve relationships, if at all possible, as long as there isn't abuse? Yes. Finally, Jesus says it's not enough to keep ourselves from swearing falsely or lying to others. We should speak and act truthfully in all of our dealings so that we don't even need to make an oath at all. Would you agree that one of the hardest things in our world right now is that we can't seem to trust each other? (laughs) What we hear on the news what we hear from politicians, from advertisers, what have you, we don't know if they're telling the truth. Can you imagine if we were a church where people would say, man, those people from Silverdale Lutheran, if they say they will be there for you, you can count on it. Their word is golden. Isn't that exactly what jesus said to his disciples do you know how the world is going to know you're my disciples it will be how by how well you love each other and really all of these hard teachings of jesus are about love god doesn't care if we keep the law just because it's the law let me say that again god doesn't care if we keep the law just because it's the law God wants us to keep the law for our sake because God loves us and wants the best life for us. Luther and the other reformers often said the law is a precious gift of an adoring parent given to beloved children urging them to treat each other well. Isn't that why we teach our kids the right thing? Because we love them more than anything? In Deuteronomy, just as the Jews are about to enter the promised land, Moses urges them, choose life. I give you the laws so your life will be good and prosperous and you will be blessed. I give them so that you, my children, will love each other like I love each and every one of you. One of my goddaughters is a middle schooler. And she's a bit awkward socially and is often sad about her friends and interactions she has with them. And one day she'd had a particularly hard day for some friends and was telling her mom, you know, when things like this happen with my friends, I just get all tangled up inside. Middle school is brutal, isn't it? <laughs> a bit later they were driving by Fishline in Paulsbow and she said, Mom, pull over. Her mom pulled over because her daughter wanted to take a picture of the sign they had up that said, pantry needs, peanut butter, stew, granola bars, a few other things. And she said, I need to take a picture of this. Can we buy some of these things, mom? Her mom said, sure, next time we're at the store, we'll get some. And she said, okay, good. She took a deep breath. That makes me feel a lot less tangled up. I love that story because I think it shows what Jesus is intending in giving us these hard laws. It's not to be a jerk. It's not to give us a list of things we need to do to earn his favor. It's because of the good life he wants for us. When you're a good friend, a good spouse, a good neighbor, you are a lot less tangled up inside. I said that. The beginning that Jesus might also be saying these things to drive us to him and his abundant mercy and I absolutely believe that's true too. Jesus pushes these laws to the max and shows us that there is not a one of us who has not fallen short again and again and again. I love in that deuteronomy lesson how many times the word today is used choose life today i'm commanding you today because each day we get a new chance not to use the law as a checklist no adultery today check no murder today check no jesus wants us to look beyond the law and see its goal and its end the life and health of us and our neighbors One last story. A dear friend of mine is five years post-bone marrow transplant for her cancer. Six years post-diagnosis. And the years have been hard. She has a husband and a daughter, and she's been desperate for more time with them. Will I make it to middle school? Will I make it to graduation? Will I make it to 50 She is one of my friends who we often choose a word for the year instead of a New Year's resolution. And this year, her word was two words, get to. She said she's had so many years of have to, have to do this treatment, have to take in every moment with my daughter I can. So I'm going to flip it. I get to. Each day is a gift, and I get to take a walk. I get to pick up my daughter from school. I get to go to a movie with my husband. I get to. And I think that's exactly what Jesus wants for you, too. Not for you to go home today and feel terrible about all the ways you don't measure up, all the things you have to do. Jesus loves you so dearly, so completely, and living in that covenant with God, we get to see each other and treat each other as the beloved children of God we all are. We get to live in God's love. We get to live in God's light. We get to love one another as God first loved us. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be held in the love of our precious Savior Jesus. Amen.